0: That was very sweet of you. So uh, that'll be a good time for us to get away and just kind of recharge. And uh, we appreciate your prayers and appreciate you all uh, really just taking the time to uh, continue the church's momentum. Uh, we really believe that the momentum that we're seeing as people come back is really based upon, as I've said these last couple of weeks, it's really based upon a decision that you've made to come here today. Uh, it is no, we used to say, when we'd have a visitor, we'd say, hey, you could have been anywhere else today. Thank you for coming out. Never has that been more true than right now. You could have been anywhere. Uh, but I think one of the challenges uh, that a lot of people are facing is just really getting back into the rhythm of coming back into a space on a Sunday um, and really coming back into spaces in general. So I think it is worth noting again that it is a, something to be commended on your part for coming out, for being spiritually disciplined and saying, I wanna be a part of the fellowship. But I also wanna encourage you to come out this Tuesday, uh, Tuesday in, in August coming up, next Tuesday, next Tuesday rather, um, in August. Um, and the importance of that is because, you know, we are going to launch growth groups, but I think we are actually gonna be extending opportunities for newer people to lead. Um, and that means that some of you will say, man, I've been walking with God, I've, I've led some. Um, but if you really want to make a difference for the Lord, um, we ask that you would not only come to that time, hear about them, but but take the invitation to be a part of a group, but even potentially lead in a group. Because for us to really reach our purpose, to reach people where they are, we need community. And that's why we do our growth groups. So we ask that you come out to that time and... In, uh, in, couple Tuesdays from now. But again, I want to commend you for making your time out to come out and to be a part of this time. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the, the chance to be able to come to you, to be able to worship you, to be able to seek your face. We are honored, Lord, that you would allow us to be in this room, to be able to experience your grace and your mercy. Now, God, we ask... That during this time, that as we're regathering, reconnecting, we pray, Holy Spirit, for those under the sound of my voice, that you would speak a word over their life, that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, make us more like you. And as the Bible says, we are walking towards victory and walking towards triumph. So even now, Lord, pull us a little closer to the man and woman that we're becoming. Make us more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Years ago, in about 2006, I became a pastor, and at the same time, I um, got a house in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, my wife and I, we were young whippersnappers, as one would say. Um, we had a lot of good things going. I think there's a picture of us when we were young. Um, <laughs> Yes, when well, my beard just hadn't been gentrified yet, it was just <laughs> on its own. <laughs> it was such a different time, you know. So we were we were there, and uh, we got married in '03, 2003. And when we got married, um, it was really cool because you know we we got married, we had these jobs. And all of a sudden we got a house and it was like, okay, we're doing our thing. I became a pastor. She was running a mentoring program. It was really cool. And then, you know, we started wanting to have a child. And so, you know, the first four years, it was okay. It was okay. It was fine. You know, we didn't have a kid. So, we're, you know, we're still doing our thing. But then there came a point when a lot of our friends were having kids and, and we weren't having kids. And So there was this cool thing, because there's kind of this uh, pressure, you know, to, you get married, and at least in the South, you buy a house, and then you buy a house, and then you get kids. And so we had these rooms set up already, no children. And we kind of knew we could adopt, but we didn't want to adopt. We wanted to have our own kids. Nothing wrong with adoption, it's a blessed thing. But we kind of felt this tension. So it all culminated in one day, Um, it had been about five years now, a lot of questions come your way, when y'all having a kid, we're, isn't it funny when you say we're working on it means we're having sex a lot, I mean it's just so, such an interesting phrase, we're working on it, like it's mowing the lawn. Um. So, yeah, so we're, you know, we're working on it. working. But then there's kind of like this thing where just people can't help themselves. Like, what, what's up? You know, we're like, there's nothing we can do. Like, I, I can't change it. Like, we want to, but, you know, just. So you kind of laugh it off with family. You kind of change the conversation with friends. But, you know, I, I knew that it, the, it, it was mounting. The pressure was mounting and the shame was mounting. Social Shame. One day I did a, I was pastoring at the time, and I did a baby dedication. And it's weird doing a baby dedication, not because we didn't have a baby, but because we felt the pressure to have a baby. So I'm doing baby dedications, baby dedications, and I'm preaching about Hannah, Samuel, and and all of a sudden I hear this sniffling in the back. I look in the right corner, it's my wife. And then I start to see her shoulder shake. And then, you know, the, now it's funny, the church I used to pastor in North Carolina, we were the youngest couple there. Huh? <laughs> Plot twist, now we're the oldest folks. Here, amazing. But we were the youngest couple there. So like the you know, little old ladies come around, my wife, and they walk her out the service. Now I got to keep it together. I'm trying to preach about, you know, the, this woman dedicating her child to the Lord. I mean it was and it was just so emotional. And I just remember thinking to myself during that time like God, you're good. But I want I want more. I want more. I want I, we want a child. And everybody has a child. It seems like people who don't even want to have a child are having children. And we feel like we're honoring you with everything in our lives. And there is something that happens when you ask of God. It builds an expectation in your heart. And this expectation leads to anticipation because you want to see it happen. And when you keep asking for something and the anticipation builds, it can lead to deep, deep aspects of disappointment and ultimately to a broken heart. You know, the Olympics are here, and in in the Olympics, many people will have trained their whole lives for one moment. And there will be one who wins. And there'll be one who comes in third, who they get a medal. But then there'll be a person who gets second place, the silver medal. And oftentimes, for those of us who love God and we've seen God do great things in our lives, there's a sense in which We feel like, God, this is great what you've done for me, but there's this is not exactly what I wanted. And they they call it silver medal syndrome when you've done everything you wanted to see, but you just didn't get exactly what you thought. And if I could be totally honest with you, we kept this idea of adoption. We didn't want to adopt a child. Not because it wasn't a good thing, but it just felt like a silver medal. It felt like second place. If it's like, you look at you giving all these people gold and you're giving her gold and you're giving that family gold, why do I get a silver medal? Why are you giving me second best? And when we seek the Lord, we ask of the Lord, we anticipate of the Lord, there is a lingering feeling of rejection. A lingering feeling of disappointment when you've asked and you've asked and you're not seeing what you believe God would do in your life. Many of you have walked in here tonight with a lingering feeling of frustration, possibly rejection, even confusion, because you've asked and asked and not seen the Lord move. Jesus When he was asked by the disciples to be taught how to pray, when they asked him to how to pray, he gave us what we would call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and in Luke 11. But then he gives a story that deals with this lingering frustration of rejection and this lingering disappointment and the confusion. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 7, Jesus is going to tell us a story. And it's a story that I pray will change the way you pray. Amen? He says in Luke eleven five 5 through 7, this is right after the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All that. This is right then. He says, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed, children with me in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. Now, the way that you should read this is the way that you read it. It's a dude asking for three loaves of bread at midnight. Don't try to get all historical and biblical, and this is what it means in the Greek. It is ridiculous to ask somebody for three loaves of bread at midnight. Now, um, the reality is, every do you notice what he says? The first thing this guy says, at, it says to him at midnight, the first words out of his mouth is, friend. Now, Friendship can be understood. You can define a friendship by the time I can contact you. Because I got midday friends. I don't have as many midnight friends. You know what I'm saying? And if you call me at midnight or beyond, I'm going to assume it's not about a loaf of bread. I'm assuming you're dead. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what happened? What's up? Where you need me to be? And it's like, how you doing? It's like, no, I'm not doing well. (laughs) In other words, every friendship has levels of access. And some friendships, you can only contact me at a certain time. And this friend right here clarifies the level of access this person has. Don't bother me. So you shouldn't go too deep. I mean, so here's the, the, the additional problems here is that this is ancient Near East. This isn't like homes like here. Most people lived on one mattress and there was generally up to eight people that lived in the home. So they would all be on one mattress. So You know, like Tetris, where, you know, everybody's just like, that's what it's like. Like people are all laid down differently. And so if one person gets up, everybody gets up. And you don't go and flick on a switch. You have to light a lamp. So this is totally a different scenario. And although, yes, at that time, hospitality was seen as sacred and to take care of a friend is sacred, don't let the historical aspects of this fool you. He's still asking for bread at midnight. You should read this as this cat is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous request. Midnight, wake my family up. You're bugging. No, I will not. Don't. Bother me. And so that's the key word. You're bothering me. That's the key phrase. You think you're just going to bother me. No, you're bothering me, right? And this is the bugged out part about this whole story. Jesus says in Luke 11, verse eight, he says, I tell you, I tell you, Though he will not get up, you got to read this right, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. So just to clarify, he's not getting up because the level of friendship or even the level of access. He says, yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. What he clarifies, what Jesus clarifies here is that this gentleman who came at midnight for three loaves of bread bread, ends up getting the bread. And he doesn't get it because of their friendship. He get it because he did not stop knocking on the door. And that word impudence, that word means boldness. It means shameless. It means tenacity. It means persistence. It has an endurance, a courage. And that element is what he's saying is, this bread got to him because he would not let go of his request. And we have to understand, too, that Jesus tells this story with something that is incredibly minimal. It would be different. This story would hit different if this was someone knocking at the door with their sick child. But he's actually knocking at the door for loaves of bread. What this tells us is that Jesus is drawing on this idea of persistence or the word impudence as something that we need to apply in our whole aspects of our prayer life, not just the important requests. This man was moved to come down to give him bread not because of the importance of the request, but because of the impudence of the neighbor. He keeps knocking on the door. Remember the way we got into this conversation? As they said, teach us how to pray. Jesus then tells this story. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, very simply, ask again. And the level of the, I mean, your trust in Jesus is indicated in the level of ridiculousness of the request and the consistency of it that you would ask again I preached at a church in Staten Island lovely couple comes up to me after very sweet couple married 40 years but you know the wife just interrupts and says, we've been married 40, well, we've been married 40 years, but then there was a 10-year period there where we stopped being married and we didn't want to talk to each other. I was like, interesting, interesting. She was like, oh, no, no, but we prayed. And she said, he prayed for me. And I started wanting him again. I was like, wow. She was like, yeah. So now we've been, praying, we've been together 40 years. She was like, yeah, but that was a little hiccup. I was like, a decade. <laughs> I guess in the pantheon of 40 years. What does it take to ask again after you have a broken heart? What does it take to seek the Lord after you've asked and asked and asked? The key is you feel like a fool. It's a little embarrassing to ask again. And so there's a part of you that goes, come on, man. Like, it can't. So, so Jesus so let me get this right in this story. Jesus, okay, I get I'm the guy knocking on the door. So Jesus is like, God's the grumpy old man. Like, how does this story work? It's just persistence. And you would say, James, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure how you're reading that. Like, I don't know. But this is the wild part. The wonderful thing about the Bible is that when it wants to get a point across, it repeats it. So Jesus brings up another story. In Luke 18, look at Luke 18. In Luke 18, he says, in a certain city, Luke 18, verse 2 and 3, he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And this is what you have to understand. For a while he refused, but afterward he said, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because of this widow, because this widow keeps what? Bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. I'm not making this stuff up. Jesus Christ of Nazareth said this. And he is teaching us something that is very humbling. He is saying, I want you to ask again. And this is the heartbeat. This judge just wants to be left alone. He's pushing aside her request. But over time, she just keeps bothering him. Now, what are we really saying? What is the heartbeat of this text? You have to understand what he said before. What he said before was that he was a father. What we said before in the previous sermon was that he's a close father. That he was a holy father. That his name was to be hallowed. Church, this is what I want you to hear and this is what Jesus is trying to bring home. If evil people, if friends that really aren't your friends, if friends that really even aren't your friends are moved by persistence, how much more is your heavenly father? God is not bothered by our persistence. God is not irritated when we keep asking and asking and asking of him. God longs for us to draw in to his heart by asking again and he wants access to what we deeply desire he wants us to talk about those things that we hunger so deeply for and so he says ask again and it is tiring to ask again But we know life does not slow down. We know that the pain of dealing with a a boss, that you are just asking God to change them. We know after a year of asking, that can get tiring and frustrating. We know that there are certain relationships in your life where you've asked to change people or you've asked for people to come into your life. And we know that can be tiring But just because, this is the thing, this is the key part about what Jesus is saying. Just because you're not asking God for it does not mean you've stopped wanting it. It doesn't go nowhere. It doesn't go in some closet and be like, you're right, I'm gonna just leave you alone. You think about things. You think about people. You think about opportunities. And God is saying, I want access to the deepest desires of your heart. I want a conversation about those things that I know that you long for for your children, that you long for for your family, that you long for for your city and you long for for your life. He is honored. He says in Luke 11 to draw this point home, he says and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. God is honored by persistence. He's honored when we bother him. He's honored by ridiculous requests. Our greatest movements for God have come because someone said, use little old me to make a big impact. He's honored when we continue to come to him in prayer about the same thing. So here's what I want you to pause and I want you to think about this afternoon. What have you stopped asking God for? It just feels too heavy to ask again. It's kind of like, okay, you you already know. Why am I even saying this? What's that thing you're even embarrassed to bring up to him again? And you kind of got to go back into the box, you know, into the drawer of things you said. Like there are things that were deep in your soul two years ago and you just stopped. You stopped because you didn't see God moving. You stopped too because it was too heavy to ask again. And the Lord is saying he's honored when you lift up your heart to him. You open that up because it's deep in your heart. It's almost embarrassingly so what you would want for your life. One of our requests when we were without kids, was to have six kids. My, my, my. What a request. I should have said, God, give me one plus one plus one, and then let me see how it all goes. Look what Jesus says in Luke 9. I'm sorry, Luke 11. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish, give him a serpent, verse 12, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. You see, when we ask of things, the reason why sometimes it, it's hard to ask because we don't know what's good for us and what's not good for us. Sometimes we, we feel silly asking because I can't ask for all these different things. But what he says is that The sovereignty of a father over a son is the same of the sovereignty over God, over his children. A father, if a son asks for a fish, he won't give him a serpent. And the imagery there is that a father and son are walking along the way and they look in a little lake and the son says, I want a fish. Let me get one of those fish, dad. And The father has better eyes and more experience and more insight. And as the son reaches out to get fish, he takes his hand away and says, son, that's a serpent. You don't see it like I see it, but that's a serpent. The son sees an egg, and he wants this little egg, and he wants maybe to cook some eggs. I don't know why kids want eggs, but he wants an egg. But he says, no, son, there's a scorpion in that egg. My eyes see what your eyes don't see. Son, you don't want that egg. And what the sovereignty of God has prevented you is you've prayed deeply for serpents you didn't know you were praying for. You cried over a scorpion you didn't know was a scorpion. a, 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 A straight up scorpion broke your heart. I want this scorpion, dad. The Lord's like, no, you don't. Because you can't see like your father sees. And your father is always protecting you. You don't see what, see, if you, if you can embed that, listen, if you can embed that idea of his eyes of sovereignty, if you can embed that, you'll, you'll keep asking. Because you know, as I ask, he protects. You'll ask for ridiculous stuff. Because I know you, will, if, if, if I could handle it, you'd give it to me. Because you're a father who loves me. This is the essence of understanding persistence in prayer. God wants to give it to me because he loves me. But he also sees what I don't see. And so Jesus says, if you then... In verse 13, if you then, who are evil, which is a, why you gotta go there, Jesus? Like, why you gotta, little gut punch there. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts. So you, understand, you have to understand what the correlation is. He says, the son being protected from a scorpion, he describes as a good gift. He says, if you know how to give good gifts your children how much more your heavenly father I wish I could sit with James T. Roberson III in 2006 when he felt like he was getting a silver medal when he looked around And he saw all these people getting things he wanted. And you know what I would have told him? What I've learned over time? What I've experienced in my life? And what I believe of God? He's never, he doesn't have silver medals. He's never given me second place. Never. He's only got gold for his kids. He's only given me gold. And I got a gold church, and I got a gold wife. I got gold kids. And I got gold family. Because they're mine. And he gave them to me. See, it's my gold. It's gold for me. It's, it's, it's first place for me. And the reason why I felt so disappointed is because I literally thought when you saw that picture and those that gold, that silver, that bronze, it is someone looking and saying, that's my gold. And when I saw kids, I'm like, God, I wanted those to be my kids. I wanted what they have. And what I've realized over time is that God has never, ever, given me second best and I believe that in my whole heart and it is the point at which you can believe that right now in 2020 on this day at this time you are experiencing the good gifts of God even though it feels like second place then you will continue to ask because you know that his timing that his sovereignty aligns with where he sees that you're at and where he sees his plans going. And I don't have to wonder about why I don't have what other people have. I can rest in the fact that he's given me what I can handle. He's given me something that's from his heart. He's given me a a good gift. And so, what it causes you to be able to do is, is ask. Continue to ask. Continue to ask again. The key to persistence before the Lord is patience and humility. Patience. Patience. Patience is this countercultural ability to wait on God. And humility is this countercultural and supernatural ability to accept what God has given you. Patience and humility. Knowing God has given it to me. And I will get what God gives, and I will rejoice in what He has given to me. Much of our disappointment is not merely coming from desire, it's coming from speed. It's speed. You can't even enjoy the season God has you in because you're thinking about the next season so bad. It's speed. You want to move beyond where you are and not bloom in the season God has given you. And so this desire, and yes, you want things to change. Praise God. But patience allows you to know that God is moving. Humility allows you to know that I am going to wait. And great things happen when we have the virtue of patience and humility, of just seeking and waiting, looking unto God. When I was younger, which at 45, that, that's a real statement, right? Like, yeah. I would have been horrible for Bridge Church. The Lord had me plant a church at 37. I wondered why, because my knees hurt. <laughs> why did God give me such a young church? I ain't got many peers up in this piece. We're not sharing gray hair. Why? Why now? Why didn't I see you moving when I was younger? Why did you have me come to this stage now? And ultimately, I don't know. But I have a suspicion that it's character. That God was changing me. And as he was aligning me to the assignment for my life, he was changing me. And 2006 James couldn't handle 2021 James. He couldn't handle what I can handle now. He couldn't speak into situations the way that he could speak into them. And now, you ever, you ever look at yourself ten years ago and look at what you're wearing and you'd be like, <laughs> what was I wearing? You ever look back at a video of yourself and be like, I was stupid. I mean, think about that. You look at yourself 10 years ago, you hear yourself 10 years ago, and you say, I was a fool. Maybe you're a fool now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you're saying, well, I've got this different... Vision and different opinion of myself, but maybe you sound like a fool now. And the reason why there's certain opportunities you don't have is because you don't have the wisdom or the character to handle it yet. And that's okay. But the key is... As Psalm 27 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. And I want to encourage you that that principle will carry you through all the seasons of your life. Do you understand? There are so many of you single people in here, and we were married and had— a, There's people I know that want to be married and want to have a house. We were married and had a house, and we said, got to have them kids. And all we could think about was the next thing. And what I've learned is that when you don't wait on the Lord, you're waiting for something else. And when you're waiting for something else, it will break your heart. And I encourage you in the Lord today, wait on the Lord. Learn to wait on the Lord. Learn the skill of waiting on the Lord, where you bury your heart deep down in the Word of God, and you pray, and you seek God's face, and you reject the fact that I don't have to keep up with anyone else. I don't have to be anyone else. I just need to wait on the Lord. The Lord has good things for your life. He's got good things for your life. He's got good things. He's got good gifts for your life, but he is not going to make your life move faster. He's not going to try to keep up with your plan. The Lord doesn't move fast or slow. He moves on time. God is on time. He's on time. He's on time. My wife, when when we got married, I used to think I was a fairly on-time person until I got married an actual on-time person. When we do stuff at 2: 30, at 2: 20, I believe I'm now to get motivated. <laughs> at 1:30, my wife's like, what are, you, "What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?" Putting on her earrings. And you know what started to happen? When I married my wife, I, I was never late. Because James, I'm not an on-time person, but my my wife, she's always on time. And one thing you can be certain, that when you attach your life to the Lord, he's actually not fast, but he's also not slow. He's on time. And your life, when you attach it to the Lord, just wait on him. He'll get you to your purpose. He'll get you to your destination. Just wait on him. Don't let comparison make your life move faster than need be. Wait on the Lord. Would you stand? Holy Spirit, would you anoint this community today with a supernatural patience? God, would you anoint us with a supernatural understanding of your will for our lives? That God, your timing is perfect. That your plan is sovereign, that we can trust you. God, would you even now Change us. Give us the boldness to ask, but give us the patience to wait as we wait on you. You're worth waiting for, God. Teach our hearts to wait. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com.